Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Another day, another week, another episode of Black Broadway Presents The Core Report. You know what time it is, man. We're doing the news over here, ladies and gentlemen. Just getting started, man. Look, it's heating up. We heating up, and uh, it's about to be on fire. So uh, let's go ahead and get into everything that's going on from this national convention, the Democratic National Convention that's currently happening, to what the Republicans are planning for their convention that's going to be next week, and how they're just trying to escalate the levels of foolishness there. Of course, the ongoing battle with the U.S. Postal Service and how it seems like they might be giving up a little bit of ground and stepping back a bit. Talk about schools, this whole... Literally, to quote the North Carolina, University of North Carolina school paper, this is a clusterfuck. We're going to talk about this whole entire thing with the schools. Of course, 45 is his extended nonsense. Protest movement all around the world. Crime all around the world. And the way this thing works from Louisiana to the United Arab Emirates. We're going to show you how that thing goes down, man. Of course, we got DC stories. Of course, we got COVID. And of course, we got to touch on these sports and games environment, too. Very important today. Very important. So uh, without further ado, man, let's go ahead and get right into it. Democratic National Convention yesterday. Ridiculous. I, I had low expectations, and my expectations were not even met in the least. I saw what they are planning or how they're planning to roll this whole virtual concept of having a convention out, we're not digging it. The folks are just not feeling it. I'm sorry, man. That's not the game plan. That's not what we want to see. Leon Bridges singing on the rooftop, followed by a speech by somebody we don't know. Then you got somebody else crazy singing in the middle of a field, followed by Bernie Sanders, followed by et cetera, et cetera. It was all garbage. It was bad. John Kasich spoke. That just shows you, like I said, their whole entire uh, game plan here is not to revolutionize politics, not to change things, just to make it just comfortable enough so that that white guy who doesn't want things to change a whole lot but is uncomfortable with what 45 is doing is comfortable enough for both for Biden. That's all the game is right now. That's all you're seeing. However, what did happen last night, which was rather remarkable, was Michelle Obama's uh, keynote address on the first night of the Democratic Convention. You can say it was historic in the sense that no first lady has ever taken such a vocal stance against a sitting president. When I say first lady, I mean former first lady, obviously. No former first lady, no spouse, political spouse, has that's not involved in politics themselves has ever taken a stance like that publicly against a sitting president on such a platform. And it was people talking about, yo, I didn't know Michelle Obama was so eloquent and so smart. Yo, you just haven't been paying attention for the last eight years, which says a lot about why we're in this cultural moment that we're in right now. Because if you haven't been paying attention, then Michelle, you wouldn't know that Michelle Obama is one of the smartest political minds in the country that don't like politics. That whole entire thing was a masterclass in making your opponent uncomfortable, disparaging him in a way that he's going to have to deal with and he's not intelligent enough to deal with. There you go, Q. She been eloquent. She been dope. She been about it. So, and you know, for us, a lot of us in the 
black contingent, we only vouch for Obama because of her, for real. She is definitely sizably more connected to the black experience in America than Barack Hussein Obama is. That's just facts, you know what I'm saying? So Michelle Obama, like I said, she was the highlight of an otherwise horrible presentation by these people. And in order to, I guess, take the spotlight off of what was going on with that whole situation, 45 decided to do something super ridiculous. We're going to get into that a little bit later on in this program. But tonight's DNC programming is Jill Biden. Uh, I believe Bill Clinton is going to speak tonight. AOC is going to speak tonight. And a whole assortment of former Republicans. This is the first time that one political party is having a convention and they are letting several numerous members of the other political party, active members of the other political party, speak at this convention. It is all to, I guess, drive home the point that, yo, 45, is that's the only option for um, going against 45, excuse me, it's the only option for decent Americans, and it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, you got to rock with this. They got Meghan McCain involved in this shit. They got... John Kasich, like I said, they have several other former uh, Republican governors, former Republican senators, all of these people coming out to cap for Joe Biden, to cape for Joe Biden. That doesn't make me feel a lot better about Joe Biden, to be quite honest. But I understand that I am not the person that they're going after in this because my vote is pretty much secured. And that's the whack shit about this two-party system that we deal with. As a black person, Joe Biden already said it. Yo, if you're not voting for me and you're voting for the other guy, you you might not be black. This might be something that you need to think about a little bit deeper. It pains me to think that we're in that much of a vice grip by the Democratic Party. And this is what we get. When they they got us in the vice grip, they put on these bullshit-ass productions. Yo, I didn't even stick around for any more of the musical guests, I just knew it was all bad when I saw Billy Porter up there from Pose. When I saw Leon Bridges, when I saw all these other people, I was like, oh, man, they got us. We about to shuck and jive tonight, man. We the entertainment tonight. So, again, we'll see what happens again tonight. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I bit the bullet last night. I don't know if I got it in me again tonight, guys. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, the baby is running our lives right now. So we're going to figure this thing out. We'll figure it out. Meantime, in between time, the saga continues with the United States Postal Service, man. 20 states have now officially filed lawsuits against the United States Postal Service and the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, for slowing down the mail and potentially impeding in the state's right and their ability to have a free and fair election. Lawsuits in court filed. It's crazy. Postmaster General is actually scheduled to testify in front of Congress on Friday. I don't know what they're going to ask him. Again, we've we've had this discussion several times on this show, on this platform. Congressional hearings are not fact-finding expeditions. They're opportunities for congressmen and congresswomen to get in front of their hometown, in front of their home crowd on the national stage and show their ass and ask questions of the opposition or of the witness who backs up their viewpoint in a way that makes them look good. Not in a way that gives us more information, just in a way that makes them look like 
they're doing their job. So I don't expect to find out any new information from the postmaster on Friday. But what has happened, and this is news, is that he has vowed to halt all, any and all, changes to postal service until after the November 3rd election deadline. So he's promised that all of the things that were planned, the halt of overtime, the moving of the machines, all of this is going to be on hold until at least November 3rd. Hours won't change of facilities. Facilities that were scheduled to be closed will not be closed. They'll remain open. And most importantly, I think, or not even most importantly, just most visibly for most people, the letterboxes are going to remain. I said before all of this happened, I couldn't recall like the last time I really just casually ran into a letterbox. It's not something that you see as much anymore. It's weird because I remember being a kid and shit was everywhere. I couldn't wait to take some mail from my mom or my grandma and run it up to the mailbox. But that's just not the reality of the postal service no more. We don't know where this is going. We don't know how this is going to look. But Congress say they got $25 billion for them to improve their service and they're coming back in session, this emergency session this week to address that. So we'll see what that looks like. And we'll see if that really has an impact on making these elections free and fair in the way that they need to. My brother Nick Charles just checked in. Now that is a guy that you need to talk to when it comes to getting your mail-in ballots in Maryland. That's very important. Very important. Maryland mail-in ballots, you have to go online and actually request them. So don't trust the, you know, the bum rush that the system is giving you. D.C. used to, and I believe Maryland still does, have a voter registration app where you can do this all online. So make sure you investigate all the things you need to know about voting because it is a very important thing. Very important to have all the information there, yo. U.S. Postal Service, we don't know what's going to happen. I guess we're going to have some fireworks on Friday to, you know, amuse us for the weekend. We'll see how that goes. Schools, 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 yo. I talked about this in the tip top of the show. We got to get back to it. The schools are a clusterfuck. University of North Carolina, as I reported earlier this week, has now switched to 100% virtual teaching, virtual instruction after 177 students came down or came tested positive in the first week of class. New cases, 177 students. I know I just personally rode my bike up to University of Maryland College Park. I don't know what's going on over there, but it looked like people are moving in. They're moving in somewhere. If they're not moving into on-campus dorms, they're moving into off-campus apartments. There is some level of collegiate activity going on and I know college, fam. You can't get, you can't, you can't avoid this. There's no social distancing that's going to be done, yo. None of it, yo. None of it at all. So, the I, I guess my bold prediction is that most of the colleges that are open in some very tangible physical way right now are going to be forced to shut down within the upcoming weeks. If University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill can't control this, then I don't really have a lot of faith that, you know, Alabama Prairie View is going to hold it down or Virginia Dominion or any of these other schools that actually open for in-person instruction. You know, like the resources 
the amount of people that are a part of the affected population that are also a part of the student population. All of those things go into factoring how we're going to figure this thing out and how we're going to get people back into college. In Georgia Tech, the students are pissed. The students aren't even going for it. The students protested in Georgia Tech and had a a whole die-in, like literally just laid out across the campus like, this is what you're doing, guys. You're killing us by having us come back for in-person instruction. I don't know how this is all going to work out, bro, but uh, it's craziness, man. School is important, though, kids. Education is important. It's important to get up on that. Because if you don't have an education, if you don't go to school, you'll be dumb, like the 45th president of the United States. If you don't get any education, you will turn out to be a total idiot like this guy and do idiotic shit like what he's in the headlines for today. Before I go, what you say, Titus, man? My man said you can get it in D.C. or Fort Tide Drive. Hey, listen. Shout out to the old APT on Fort Tide Drive. I don't know what's going on back there no more. So <laughs> I can't speak to anything, you know what I'm saying, that's going on on Fort Tide Drive. But shout out to 4910. We used to get busy back there. Anyway, 45 and his idiocy. To stay in the headlines today, 45 felt it necessary to go all the way back to the year 1872 and pardon Susan B. Anthony for being arrested, which was an act of protest, which was intentional by her, something that she did not want to get pardoned for, not feel as though she was wrongly convicted of in the time. Pardon this lady for fucking voting in I guess that's supposed to be some type of grand gesture to show that he is progressive and he's paying attention to women's rights to overshadow whatever Michelle Obama did during the DNC convention. However, a big factor that a lot of people who maybe or maybe not be aware of Susan B. Anthony is that the whole history of suffrage and women's suffrage and that movement that she led is dipped and steeped in racism. There's lots. First of all, women got the right to vote in 1920. Black women did not get the right to vote until some 20 to maybe 30 years later during the passage of the Civil Rights Act, so on and so forth. A lot of the people who were pushing for the vote for women, again, white feminism, they were also, maybe I won't say they were racist, but they certainly weren't actively anti-racist. They only had one room for one cause. So they didn't have time to be about, you know, the cause of liberating black women or equal pay, equal treatment under the law even. So Susan B. Anthony gets bigged up and that's cool. You know, she get her face on a coin and all of that. 45 comes out century plus later to to pardon her. But you know, we still don't got, you know, the proper recognition for Ida B. Wells. You know what I'm saying? We don't still got the proper recognition for Mary McLeod Bethune, you know, Mary Church Terrell. Sojourner Truth famously said, ain't I a woman? Like when she was talking at the Seneca Conference, you know what I'm saying? All of these things are historic events that you can look up that have real constant context and have real effects on your life. But it's just the education that a lot of people don't want to do. They'd rather accept the 
the Hallmark card version of events and just be like, oh, okay, cool. This is what the plaque says. This is all there was to it. You just do a little bit more research, a little bit digging, and you'll find all types of ugliness and all types of nuances and caveats hidden beneath the surfaces. And that's what the news is all about. That's what education is all about. You know what I'm saying? So go to school, kids. Don't be dumb like this idiot. You know? But this is his idiocy is somewhat being championed because in light of all of the things that have happened, in light of the the government passing what's called the Hatch Act, which precludes federally elected officials from using their office or any of the furnishings of their office for political purposes, the president is going to accept the nomination of the Republic Party, Republican, excuse me, party for president on the White House South Lawn. He says that Hatch Act doesn't apply to him because he's the president. And he seems to have that attitude about quite a few things. So at the end of the day, if he has that attitude about something as simple and as frivolous and as vain and as easily changeable as a site to, to stage a speech, to stage a political speech, a political event, then what you think is going to happen when the election results come back and they don't say that he won? If that's what happens, you know what I'm saying? I don't th- I don't feel as though they're smart enough or they have the infrastructure to pull off a totally invisible coup where they're going to they've corrupted the ballots and corrupted the voting process so well and so expertly that nobody's going to be able to even tell that they stole a whole election. This thing is going to have to be to use some old DC parlance. They're going to have to rough this shit off. They're going to have to rough this whole election off. And unless there are some real stop gaps, some fail safes in place, we're going to we're going to get rough. And that's what's looking like it's going to happen, gang. You know what I'm saying? Meantime, in between time, the protest movement across the world rages on. It does not stop. One big protest movement that I do not want anybody out here that's listening to forget about is Louisville, Kentucky. Right in the home of Breonna Taylor, there have been 82 straight days of protest in Louisville, Kentucky. People have lost their lives. Numerous people have lost their lives in Louisville, Kentucky during these protests. Hundreds of arrests. The city of Louisville, with the support of the state of Kentucky, has basically made protesting illegal. It's illegal to walk in the street. It's illegal to organize caravans. It's illegal to walk, hold up signs in front of the state capitol, all of this, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that's not enforceable because they would literally have to lock up everyone. But this is setting the ground for that to be pleaded as the case. And then you have to call in the National Guard and auxiliary forces. And who knows how that's going to work out? All of these things just to say that people can't express themselves freely. All of this to stifle people's expression. All of this to stifle people's legitimate anger at the loss of life of a member of their community. Something that they still have yet to receive answers for. So I don't know what more to tell y'all about that, man. This is this is craziness. The protest movement rages on. More footage. Actually, Minneapolis is interesting. I've read something about Minneapolis and how, you know, there's a thing called Minnesota Nice, 
where people talk about just the, the good manners of people in the Midwest and how that tends to be, you know, a deciding factor in the way that they deal with confrontations, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the city of Minneapolis, which is probably the epitome of Minnesota nice, is simmering. It's boiling. It's right. All that tension is right under the surface. And more and more footage keeps coming out of the killing, the murder of George Floyd. It shows people on the street, on the sidewalk from one of the officers. I believe this was the Asian officer's body cam. It shows people publicly, vocally, loudly protesting this, physically kind of trying to protest this even. Like, yo, stop, man. Like, this guy is unresponsive. You know, get an ambulance, et cetera, et cetera. They threaten them, tell them to get back on the sidewalk. All of this is just, it's just feeding that rage, man. Feeding that rage. Georgia, Atlanta, been on the tipping point. And I don't know what part of Georgia this happened in specifically. It didn't say. But a Georgia state trooper has been charged with murder after shooting and killing a 60-year-old man that he pulled over, that he chased down and ran off the road over a burnt-out taillight. A a, a burned-out taillight cost this man his life. He got ran off the road by this state trooper. When the state trooper ran him off the road, he pulled out his weapon and shot this man within seconds of exiting his own vehicle. The, The driver of the other vehicle never exited his vehicle, This state trooper got out of his vehicle and not even identifying himself, not even stopping to check any safety, let off around, hit this man in the head, killed him. So uh, you'll be hearing more from the state of Georgia about this. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, all of these places are powder kegs. They're right on on the precipice of about to blow. You know what I mean? And a place that has fully blown right now, you know it's my story, Belarus, man. Lutashenko out there in Belarus is going crazy, but the protest movement is growing. People now, the protest movement has grown so large that Russia has warned people, government, whomever, in neighboring countries, the neighboring countries like France and all of those other countries, don't get involved. Don't get into this shit because we will harm you people. You know what I'm saying? They have the support of the Russian government. The Russian government, that's right, Vladimir Putin and all of them, big surprise, they rock with Lutashenko. Supervillains unite. So they're basically telling people, look, we have the resources based on a world superpower to crush this rebellion. Lutashenko says, I'm not going nowhere. They'll have another election in this country when they kill me. And that's it. So the, the level of hubris the level of disrespect, the level of, you know, just absolute authoritarianism is what this country, this leadership aspires to. They want that. They want that Lutashenko power. But people are in the streets, as I said, over the weekend, over 200K in the streets in Minsk. 7,000 people have been detained up to full, up to date in Belarus behind this protest. However, something real interesting is happening, and they should hope that this never happens in America. The establishment should hope that this never happens in America. Information flows way too freely. Police officers, factory workers, all types of people who are instruments of this regime are quitting. Quitting their posts, 
quitting their jobs and joining the protesters, getting up out of here. I heard a story about that, interestingly enough, happening in Seattle where uh, a cop said literally, yo, you guys won. I quit. I'm joining y'all. Like that's that's his that's his quote. And I'm like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like perhaps there is some hope. But I mean, I never had one for a minute thought that the people who are part of the US military or even writ large, the people who are part of the police departments in America have a a deep down burning desire to go out and, you know, subjugate US citizens. That's not necessarily what they got into the job for. They got into the job so that they could live good, so that they could eat, and they could join the privileged class of Americans who don't have to worry about police suppression, et cetera, et cetera. However, they didn't get into this to become tools of an authoritarian state. So I'm not sure where this whole entire thing is going to go with um, United States protest and with United States slide towards authoritarianism. However, I think it's super important that we pay attention to what the trends are all around the world because they were trained by us. They have bought over, they culturally imported a lot of their ideals from us. And ultimately, what happens in their global economies affects our national economy in a much greater way than a lot of us are even slightly aware of. So it's something that you should keep your eye on at all times, man. International crime is something that has been always on my mind. It's always something I pay attention to because, you know, there's real criminals and then there's what we get locked up for in this carceral state of America. You know what I'm saying? There's real crime, like war crimes, like, you know, genocides, like international drug smuggling, art theft, all kinds of shit like that. And then there's, you know, locking black people up for sport, more or less, in the urban environment. Fun times for America's police force. But real crime, real crime goes down all across the world, and it's wild shit. In America, though, this is the things we like to do. In Louisiana, a gentleman named Fair Wayne Bryant, that's his name, 62 years old, man. This man's in jail right now during a life sentence for a 1997 attempt to steal some hedge clippers from someone's garage. He was a habitual offender. Man had mad felonies before the, the ninth, before 97. Hey, look, the crack era was rough. I'm sure it was nothing to catch four felonies in between 90 and 97. You know what I mean? I'm sure all four of those came within a very condensed period of time. Either way, he was sentenced under the habitual offender law, lifelong offender. He was sentenced to life, and that sentence was uphold, upheld recently when the case was appealed to the Louisiana Supreme Court by the Louisiana Supreme Court, which is composed of six members, five white males, and one black female who is the chief justice. The five white males, of course, they made up the majority of the decision, so the decision was upheld. The black judge, who is the chief justice, who just happens to be the chief justice, she wrote a very, very, very serious and deep dissenting opinion where she spoke about how this shit is all a product of racism. This is, this is 100% because of racism and discriminatory sentencing practices by the state of Louisiana and by the federal government. 
anyway, I guess due to her writing this dissent and applied and continued public pressure and media presence, this dude got another um, hearing. So we'll see what happens. He's going to get another hearing. He's going to get another chance at perhaps getting free. And if not getting free, then at least perhaps getting a sentence reduction that will lead to him being free in the near future. In North Carolina, a black guy named Marcus Robinson, he's 47. He also managed to get himself off a of death row after providing um, evidence and details to the judge in his benefit that showed that him being sentenced to death in the first place was racial, was nothing but a racial-based decision on due to the circumstances and the you know consequences, pardon me, and the evidence of his crime. He should not be on death row. It's not a capital crime. However, because he was a black defendant, that's what he is alleging ended up happening. And he made this case all the way to the North Carolina Supreme Court, and his sentence has been overturned and recommuted to a life sentence. I can't speak. I don't know enough about this case to speak to his brother's guilt or innocence, but I do know enough about how the death penalty is handed out in the United States of America to tell you that there are several studies that conclusively show that there is a deep disparity in who is sentenced to death and who is charged with capital crimes versus who is not. And nine times out of 10, the victims of a crime that warrants capital crime punishment are white. These are just the facts. This is just what happens. I'm not making it up. There's no bias there. That's just a fact. You know what I'm saying? And you can do the research that will substantiate that. So again, I like to see, hear stories like that because again, that's crime in America is about locking black people up. You know what I'm saying? This is what crime really is though. The former king of Spain, Juan Carlos, his son, Felipe, is the current king of Spain. So he's alive but he's not the king, but his son is the king, so he's really still the king. We all know how that works out. Anyway, they just found this guy, air quotes, found this guy after he was in exile or on the run, whatever you want to call it, for corruption charges stemming from a deal that he had brokered between Spain and Saudi uh, train uh, shipping magnates, you know what I'm saying, Saudi rail companies. $100 million embezzled, $100 million misappropriated, $100 million stolen, whatever the word is you want to use for it, $100 million of them things, gone. King Juan Carlos, responsible, fingered by Interpol, fingered by all international criminal agencies as being the guy. He's the guy who did it. Poof, where is he? He's gone. Even his son knows he did it, which is why he accepted his father's abdication of the throne, was like, all right, cool, yeah, I'll I'll be the king now, and also has attempted to distance himself in whatever way possible, financially, legally, even in name and and practice from his father and his wrongdoing. Where they find you, man? In the UAE, in Dubai, doing what criminals do, enjoying Dubai. That's what international criminals do. Go enjoy Dubai. Same way local criminals go enjoy Vegas, international criminals go enjoy Dubai. They get into all of the debauchery, shenanigans, excessive gluttony that 
Dubai and the UAE was built to offer to the richest people in the world who control the number one racket in the world, which is fossil fuels. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's built for. People who control the fossil fuel racket and who are getting money. So, of course, you would find the biggest international, one of the biggest international criminals hiding out there and hiding in plain sight, by the way. Now that they know he's there, I doubt if there's any international police warrants being issued or any, you know, Amber Alerts being put out saying, yo, go get King, King Juan Carlos. It's not how it's working, kids. That's just what's happening out there in the world of international crime, man. However, back on the home front in the city that I love, the city I come from, Washington, D.C., uh, the Republicans are planning to defile our town further. They're actually planning to go all the way out, balls to the wall with this, and um, have fireworks on the mall after 45 gives his acceptance speech for the Republican nomination for the presidency of the United States. Again, if none of this is ethical. None of it. Very little of it is advisable. If I'm not a part of his red meat base, so I don't know if these antics appeal to them or if they have, you know, posters in their wall of, you know, Trump standing in front of the Episcopal Church. I don't know if any of these optics and stunts appear good to them as much as they appear ridiculous to me. But they appear ridiculous to me. All of that sounds stupid and dumb, and it looks a little bit too self-congratulatory, but these people think they got it in the bag, so I guess we're going to see some fireworks next week, gang. Keep your eyes peeled to the, to the southern sky. We should see some fireworks on that day. But like I mentioned earlier, in D.C., this is an interesting story. We are in the minority of the states of the United States, and as they, we don't, currently have a working voter registration app. The voter registration app that's supposed to be working for the, United, the District of Columbia is no longer working. I don't know, you know, what's going on there. They say that there are some bugs, there's some user interface issues. I don't even know if there is a push or if there are enough resources available to get this back up in time for the November election or if there's the political will to even do that. All I know is being reported right now, the voter registration app is no longer working, so you're going to have to go about this the old school way. You got to go through the DMV, select a, uh, ask for an appointment. You can still do it online. I believe you can do it online, but the application that comes from the app store, from the Android store to wherever, that doesn't work anymore. So... If you think you registered through this app, if you're a new resident, if you're somebody who just felt like you wanted to be tech savvy and register to vote through an app, which is real cute, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and uh, double check that. Make sure you're on the roll. Make sure you're locked in because if you're not, it could get real dicey. Uh, like I said, 40 other states have working apps, including uh, Virginia and Maryland. So D.C. is in the extreme majority when it comes to this issue. I hope they get it rectified soon. But again, this is the power of information. If you put it out there, if you let people know about it, a lot of people didn't even know that the app existed, much less that it's not working. So you can apply some pressure. You can make some phone calls. You can just inquire. Just inquiring about it lets people know that, damn, they know about it. Shit, that means we need to respond to it. That's what the game plan is when it comes to the usage of information out here. 
That's how we're going to attack. That's how we're going to win. You know what I mean? A battle that we're not winning right now, though, is uh, COVID-19. It's not going well, gang. 170,000 dead in the United States of America. 100,000 in Brazil. That's the second highest death toll next to us, Brazil, which is run by a guy who thinks he's 45. He's a fucking Trump clone. His name is Jair Bolsonaro. He's responsible for the fires being set in the world lungs, which is the Amazon rainforest, which is what it's known as, the lungs of the world. He's responsible for the logging, the mining, the forest, the deforestation and the firing of this you know, natural necessity, this goddamn natural necessity. He's responsible for that happening. And meanwhile, the whole world is kind of going through a second wave a bit. You know what I mean? Everybody seems to be handling these things differently or having different causes or having a different reaction to whatever number it is that they, as a society and as a culture, find unacceptable. Um, In South Korea... They're looking at their worst outbreak in five months. I mean, yo, I got to talk to my man Blow about this and find out if this is really, uh, you know, the A1 from day one here story. You know, I got I got boots on the ground in Korea, so I can, I can actually call somebody up. So we're going to figure it out, man. They're saying that there's 400 new cases, and they're all stemming from this anti-government uh, pro-democracy march or whatever, a march that you know, was led by a religious group in Korea. And they're just saying that basically this is leading to another outbreak, leading to them having heightened concerns about what COVID-19 is going to be doing to their community. You know what I mean? Uh, Meanwhile, in Wuhan, China, shit, they're having water parties again. Yo, if you see this footage, it's going to bug you out. In Wuhan, yes, the Wuhan virus, the China virus, the place where it started, they have... Pictures of a massive gathering in some type of indoor water park. Everybody's got on no shirts and no mask, and people were riding on top of shared plastic dinghies. And like, yo, that's, I mean, it just looks nasty to us now. It looks weird. Like, I can't even appreciate a good phone party, a good pool party anymore. COVID 19 has psychically damaged me. And I might have PTSD from this thing for years to come. Who knows how this thing is going to go out, man. But Wuhan seems to be okay. They, they seem to be having a good time out here. Meanwhile, over here, we're doing dumb shit. Like I said, we have no grasp on this situation at all. Colleges have been opening up all willy-nilly. Public schools have been opening up all willy-nilly. And a lot of them have been forced to close. You know what I mean? Other colleges and public schools in other parts of the country are resorting to something that is totally unsustainable, which is teaching outdoors. We're going to have class outdoors, especially at a four-year university, which, by the way, are not at, at large or at the current moment reducing tuition and fees or offering any kind of discounts based on the discounted services that they're going to be providing for, magic, for education this year. But... If you go to public school or if you're going for free or something like that, hey, I don't even know if you have a leg to stand on there. They say they want to have school outside. What are you going to do? People are having school outside. South Dakota is one of the states that are leading the charge. South Dakota just had the Sturgis bike rally. They claim that they have the herd immunity and they have the whole COVID situation under control. 
So we'll see what happens in the heartland, gang. Like I said, this whole entire situation is all about time. Time will tell. That's it. One thing that time has told us time and time again, though, is that we are killing this con- this continent, this environment, this globe with our fossil fuels and with our pollution. We're killing this planet. We're killing it. That time has told us that time and time again. And uh, I think these next couple of stories will just kind of crystallize that for you a little bit. First things first, 45 and his boys, you know, it always starts there. The administration has now finally finalized their plans to open up the Arctic Wildlife Reserve, the National Arctic Wildlife Reserve for drilling, mining, and worst, worst, worst of all, fracking. Let me tell you guys what fracking is, because I know people, you might see it on somebody's Subaru bumper sticker, and you might not know shit about fracking. Fracking is when they pump a liquid and methane gas solution into the ground, into the ground where the water comes from, the ground where the crops grow out of, the ground where the trees grow out, all of that shit. They pump this into the ground in order to make cracks in the crust of the earth in the foundation, in the shale rock layer of the earth so that natural gas will leak out of these cracks and these fissures that they've made in the earth by pumping this liquid down there in order to capture it, to sell it. That's what fracking is. You know what I'm saying? It's called fracking because there's something about fracturing, fracturing the rock, and it's a a combination or a play on words from the chemicals that they use in order to achieve this process. They're opening up over a million and a half acres for this process. Not only this, for oil drilling, for pipeline building, and for mining of other minerals, precious stones, gold, copper, iron, whatever they got out there. Whatever's popping off in the Arctic Wildlife Reserve, that's what they're going after. And the paperwork has just been finished. It's good. It's done, guys. We're, it's a wrap. So while that's happening up in the Arctic Reserve, in California, Death Valley just recorded yesterday the highest temperature ever recorded on the planet Earth. That was hard for me to believe. And then when the number came back, it was even harder for me to believe. The number is 130 degrees. 130 degrees is the highest temperature ever recorded on Earth, and it was recorded yesterday in Death Valley, California, which really isn't the hottest place on Earth. I mean, it's pretty hot, but it's not the hottest place on this whole entire planet here. So, again, very, very concerning. Why are we hitting 130, yo? Yo, it's crazy. Why are we hitting 130? Ladybug, yo, shout out to you because you did tell me you were out there somewhere close to Palm Springs, Indio, you know, Joshua Tree, whatever's going on out there. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Okay, still in Palm Springs, living it up. Shout out to the Ace Hotel. You know what I mean? It's lit out there, you know? But uh, it's definitely lit, lit because it's hot as fuck. Like, I don't, 130 degrees is unreasonable. Like, I'm over here in D.C. waking up in the morning, feeling these 60s, feeling like, ah, fall is coming, you know. Seasons are upon us, you know, and that's a good thing. That's I've always appreciated growing up somewhere where we had all four of the seasons. However, 
I'm noticing that all four of these seasons ain't the same as they used to be when I was growing up. Summer is hotter and winter is not as cold. Like, anybody who disagrees, you can disagree if you want. But, yo, like Michael Irving said, man, when we used to play outside of the cold, we was cold. Like, this, I, I, I mean, I've been cold. Don't get me wrong in these last few years. But, man, I can remember snowstorms. I mean, you know, shout out to all my old heads out here where we remember the blizzard of 96. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the young crew who remember the blizzard of 09 or something like that. Those were good times. We haven't even approached those type of levels of snowfall, of cold, of just regular-ass real winter shit in a while, man. And it's concerning. Uh, Something that should also concern you guys is Greenland. Greenland is a place that is uh, incorrectly named because the European explorers who found it weren't very bright. All right, let's just get right down to it. They thought they landed on some type of new, lush, you know, green land in north of the Arctic Circle, which would be a goddamn miracle, but that's not the way that the world works, G. That's not like the way that the world works. So, you know what I'm saying? When they get up there to Greenland, they call it Greenland. But this place is covered by one of the more massive ice caps in existence in the world, not just Antarctica or uh, the Arctic Circle, Greenland and northern Canada, covered by ice caps. The Greenland ice streak sheet has shrunk now to irreparable levels. They're at the point of no return with this thing. There's no way that we can walk this back. Right now, the consequences that this has had on the environment, the consequences that further shrinkage is going to have on sea levels, on storms, on all of these things, is going to be crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Me and my wife, we're in the house right now. One of our big things, one of our watches right now is Cosmos. I enjoyed Cosmos greatly from a few years back, and I just ran across it on Disney Plus and was like, yo, let me watch this again. Man, listen, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he talk about these extinctions and these environmental crises that the planet underwent all these years, over these millions of years of its, billions of years of its existence. I'm shook, man. I don't know. Are we headed towards another ice age? We headed towards volcanoes? Who knows? But I can't really be too shook about it because, hey, I just got to live every single day. But we are aware. And one of the big things that we can do is just try to reduce, I know it sounds cliche, but let's reduce our carbon footprint, folks. Let's just try to walk back for whatever we can do, our little part in polluting this planet and try to consume less, grow more, become more reliant on natural foods, whole foods, grains, things that are grown rather than meats and things that are slaughtered and just, you know, take care of the place we live, G. We can have some good times again. Ladybug, what you say? Oh, you from New York, yo. So, yo, you remember Igloos, it was full-blown, sledding down residential streets. We was having a blast, man. Bring back, man, make America great again, and bring back blizzards. The fuck? <laughs> we want blizzards again, man. It's crazy out here, bro. But uh, in the meantime, in between time, you know the games is getting played out here, guys. As I mentioned, uh, college football is fully on schedule to go ahead, and pro football fully on schedule to go ahead right now, man. They're not fucking around. 
baseball season. I don't know what's going on with baseball season right now, but I did have this interesting stat I just wanted to share off some hometown shit. One love for the Nats. The Nats, you know, we had Juan Soto last year, youngest player to, you know, be a part of this World Series, you know, championship, championship franchise. But um, we just broke another youth record where we had the youngest player. I forget his name, man. I, I forgot to write his name down. Excuse me. And anyway, first player born in the 2000s to hit a home run in Major League Baseball. How crazy is that? It's people that was born in the year of our Lord, 2000 and beyond, hitting home runs in Major League Baseball games. Fam, I am I'm done out here. It's a wrap out here for me. I'm done. Just go ahead and, you know, wheel me into the old folks' home, man. You know what I'm saying? Just put me in the unit. Shit's crazy out here, bro. NBA playoffs going down, though, man. Shout out to everybody that's enjoying the NBA. I haven't really found my way into it. Like to get into these playoffs. I do want to get into the playoffs before the finals happen, so I don't have to pretend to know what's going on, but I'm gonna figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Another, and this is like probably my final thing. I love it. I'm doing great on time. My final thing. If you paid attention to the uh, mainstream media any at all today, Anderson Cooper had a ridiculous, and when I say ridiculous, I mean ridiculously funny a ridiculously unnecessary conversation with major Trump donor, so-called Christian conservative, and just all-around idiot, but billionaire, founder of MyPillow.com. This guy founded MyPillow.com, and his advertising money and his success in the arena of selling pillows online to cable news audience, to anyone who will listen, his, and let's keep in mind too, let's keep this in perspective, he's been sued several times for making claims about the medical efficacy of his pillows and what these pillows will do for your sleep life, for your snoring, for your love life, whatever. He's been sued and had to settle several times for making false claims. But anyway, my pillow is making so much money that they are almost single-handedly responsible for keeping Fox News in business. They are Fox's biggest advertiser. They pay the bills over there. So he's got a lot of, you know, leverage. Anyway, he's able to get 45 in the room and listen to these fake doctors and this fake science and have him go out and boost these medical claims or these medical remedies to COVID-19 that don't have any proof that they are effective, but they damn sure have stock value and they damn sure are invested in by this guy and by 45 and his extended network. So somebody's getting paid every time this man goes outside and says remdesivir, Moderna, hydroxychloroquine. All of these people are getting paid whenever this word floats in the public lexicon and Floating these words and floating these cures is not doing anything to make any of the 170,000 people who have died come back or the 3 million, going on 4 million people who are sick feel any fucking better. None of it. So at the end of the day, all of this is snakes oil salesmanship. All of this is political posturing. All of this is 
jockeying for position on the stock market. Anybody ever find it weird that the stock market is doing great, but more like a third of the country is facing eviction? Does that does that seem weird to anybody else? I mean, does it seem interesting to anyone else that the stock market and billionaires are coming off record years, having record years, and Americans writ large are very concerned about getting $1,200 within the next month or two, or they're going to be homeless. I don't understand nor see how any of this is sustainable, how any of this can continue. But if you do want a good laugh, go check this interview out with Anderson Cooper and the CEO of MyPillow.com, and you'll see just what levels these people are willing to go to to pretend like they got the answers. They don't got the answers. You know what I'm saying? They didn't do the education. They don't got the answers, man. Before I get out of here, yo, I definitely, that just reminds me. I got to shout out Sway. I got to shout out Andy Martinez. I got to shout out Donnie Simpson. I got to shout out Breakfast Club. All four of these folks nominated to the Radio Hall of Fame this week. Well-deserved, hard-working broadcasters, people who really get out here every day, day in, day out. They do the education. They put in the work. Hey, fuck what Kanye was talking about, Sway. I know you got a lot of answers. You one of my favorites, one of my inspirations in this game, man. You know, I'm a citizen. Word to Sway, word to the morning show, the wake-up show with Sway. You know what I'm saying? So I love all of this stuff. I'm I'm a student of the culture. I'm a student of this news. Yo, Trelectro hat all week for my boy Quinn, DJ Spicoli, Modi, DC to BC, forever, Marcel forever, Recess forever, Trelectro forever. We rocking all week with this joint. And uh, I'm just going to say this at the end of the show because I know nobody listen anyway. Yo, I got a great phone call. And next Thursday, it's up. That's all I'm saying. Next Thursday, it's up. I'm going to start talking about it more and more. As this week progresses, so you can get the details, you can get your popcorn ready, you can get, you know what I'm saying, get you a comfortable seat, get you, you know what I'm saying, you might even want to buy a ticket for your folks to come in town and get down with this, you know what I'm saying, socially distanced, of course. <laughs> Yo, you know what it is, gang. Remember, it's the core Report. Things work out the best for those that make the best of the way that things work out. As always, man, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. Thank you for tuning in to the news. Hope you learned a little something, man. It's only Tuesday. We're going to be back at least two more times this week. And we're going to keep y'all rocking, man. Thank you so much for rocking with the Quill Report. We'll see you on the flip side. Peace.